baie welkom. Hier is een product van Havester Reformerende Gemeente Olifants Rivier Vallei. Aan die woord, Apostel Jan Oosthuizen. Isaiah 50 verse 60 It says, They have forgotten their resting place. They have forgotten their resting place. And what Graham was saying in the beginning, he said that God is rest and he is like a shepherd that wants to bring us to rest. Um, how many of you heard in Psalms, David says, God, you're my resting place. Have you heard that? God is my resting place. And to say it out straight to you, there is no rest without God. God is rest. <coughs> Isaiah 50 verse 60. 50 verse 6. Can it be 50 verse 6? Okay. I say you've forgotten your resting place. You can Isaiah go search for resting place. Kijk hoeveel hem kan. Thank you. Ik denk ik het hem verkeerd, nee? 50 verse 6. Jeremiah. There you go. Jeremiah. 50 verse 6. Kijk of dit zijn man. Jeremiah 50 verse 6. Is het beter? Oké. Nou. I spoke on rest last week, and how many of you had a difficult week? Jan, moet nie weer vir rest nie in, en as ek vir rest spreek, dan werk ek myself vir ek hierdie week. So ek gaan nou weer vir naand weer probeer. Okay. Let me tell you something. The way to reign in the kingdom of God is through rest. In the kingdom of God, everything is in the opposite. If you want to be first, you need to be lost. If you want to give or have, you need to give. If you want to lead, you need to serve. Everything works in the opposite. He says, uh, if someone hurts you, bless them. Love your enemies. Everything in the kingdom is, is like to the opposite of the world. Now, if you want a war in the kingdom, you rest. The biggest battle that we as Christians can engage in is to rest. We think in the, in the spirit or in the kingdom of God, the harder we fight, the more we conquer. No, the more we rest, the more we conquer. If you learn to rest more, you will see more provision and more revelation and more healing in your life. Einstein said, I didn't get my great ideas in the lab room. I got it walking with my dog. Your biggest revelations, your biggest word of God speaking into your life, 
the, the healing that you're waiting for, the provision that you're looking for, the key to that in rest. That's why the enemy will do anything to keep you busy with everything so that you can't get anything from God. Amen? The key is rest. Now, rest in the kingdom is not the absence of labor, labor or work. You see, when in Genesis where it says that from now on, after they sinned, you will now labor in your sweat. As if now labor is cursed. It's not how you should see it. Because before that, they had to work. They had to give the, the animals names. So it's not work that's the curse. It's how we work without rest. That's the curse. It's to work and not have rest. To work and not have fulfillment. To work and not establish. To work and not be fruitful. To work and have no meaning in it. That's the curse. When he said, rule, uh, Genesis 1.24, he says, I've made you to rule. And then he says how? He says, you shall multiply the earth, rule over it, and be fruitful. So, God wants to bless you when you're fruitful. A tree that grows is fruitful. It's a blessing to God. A person whose labor and his life is giving fruit to people, is establishing health, and is making people's lives more worthwhile, is being fruitful. What is the curse is when you labor in vain, when you just work and there's no fruitfulness, there's no blessing, there's no giving, there's no outpouring of what you do. And uh, I was coaching on Saturday for five hours, a, a matric class uh, in, um, in Citrusdale. And I was trying to get this over to them. I said, you know, guys, you want to study, you want to get degrees, you want to try to get all these things so that you can be something in life. If you can understand that that what you want to achieve in life is already in you. You, wait, you won't wait for a degree or wait for something to happen before you do something. Children have become professional waiters. They wait until someday something happens. Okay? It's, it's not the way. But if you can understand what is already in you. What is in you? Well, I'm, I can be obedient. I'm a good listener. Someone told me one day, he says, you know what, I can't do all these things you're asking. I said, so what do you have? He says, well, I have a lot of time. I said, well, you just have the greatest gift that no one has. Time. I can use you for quite a lot of things because you have time. Uh, some of us don't have time. We have other stuff. You know, I, um, I only finished my degree last year and I'm 41. And since now, I just go to a farmer. This is how I started my business. I sit and I listen to a farmer. He says, man, I have labor problems. These people don't listen to me anymore. Uh, I don't know what to do with them. I'm going to fire them all. I said, well, can I help? Yeah, what do you can do? Well, I can motivate them, speak to them. Will you come and do it? Yes. When? Saturday. Yes. How much? Well, make a fee. And I go and I motivate the people. Because I can motivate how can you motivate? Yes. Well, there you, I've just given you a job. There you go. Go make money. <laughs> okay. You know, um, 
You walk, you walk past someone and you see um, they have a problem. You say, you know, can I help you? I can fix that for you. There's a, some of you are good handymen. I'm not a good handyman. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good person, but I'm not a good handy person. I admire people that are really handy. You know, it's like uh, I open the car and I open the bonnet. I look at it. It's fantastic. It's really, it's really wonderful what's in there. I don't know what to do with it. You know, if something breaks, I really don't know where to start. And then someone comes and I just do this and do that. To me, it's amazing. I go, fantastic. But you know, when I play guitar, other guys go, hmm. You know, we have different gifts. Uh, and all of us have something to give. Say, I have something to give. Yana, if you're just obedient to your parents and you're a very obedient person, that's a huge gift. I'll get you a job just on the basis of your obedience because there's a lot of people who have jobs who aren't obedient who are not going to be much longer in their jobs. Okay. You know, people these days, I saw the other day a, a, a statistic where I spoke to Americans and I said, what are the, the qualities in terms of ethics and, and studies? Which weighs more in the, in the marketplace? Meaning moral standards, character standards, stuff like obedience, being diligent, um, being faithful, um, being on time, you know, all those kind of stuff, versus qualifications. Guess what? Over the last 20, 10 years, the scale, because of the economic crisis, is now tipping towards character. People say, I'd rather have someone with character who don't have the proper qualifications, but I know the job gets done. So, Christ in you is the greatest gift that you can have. That's a, sort of a very heavy statement. You can write that down, I think, or say amen, or boo, or anything. Can I say that again? The life of Christ, the characteristics of Christ, is what makes you a very valuable person. Let me introduce that to you. Jesus was humble. He was meek. He was gentle. He was kind. He was good. He was loving. How many want to hire such a person? He's obedient to his father in everything he does. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I always struggled about this because when I was a uh, young boy, we sing a song. The V.S. Suzy's. And I'm and as vertel my vrou vir my hoek nie soos Jesus is nie. Ach, ja, jy weet ja. En dan so nou en dan maak ek droog en denk ek, ek is verseker nie soos Jesus nie. Ha, weet al so gevoel gehad. Dan sing ek weer volgende sondag. Dier wie is soos Jesus nie. Bid elk jere, ek wil nie meer leef nie. Ek het, ek het serieus aan een snaakse goed gedoen. Ek het een dag in my sitkamer gaan le en al die kombersie wat ek kon krijg gevat en myself onder dit toegemaak. En, en so geleef my maag. En gesê, ja, ek wil doodgaan, ek wil nie meer leef nie. 
I want to die. I really did it. I cried. I later rock your as you put harder flu in and rock your as you fit as a rock your boss being a seer. It's like a lot of like a blue collar here where your ribs is. Like I could later so get sweat. I could begin water for some or under. It might like yeah, I could not even live. Jesus, I could not even live. Jan, what fuck? I like flick terrible. But like I see you, Jan. Ah. I really did it. Chantal, come on me. I was like, I want to die. And, uh, and to say to you, enough for me, I said, no, I'm not interested in your repentance. I'm interested in your faith when you can believe and become like Christ in His way. His way. His way was humility. His way was truth. His way was Love. I mean? His love was his way was meekness. His love was gen- his way was gentleness. His uh, his way is incredible. And when I understood that I my life changed because I wasn't waiting for something mystic to happen anymore. I could read the Bible and every time I read Jesus it washed me. How I many know what I'm talking about? It just cleanses you because you realize, man. And then and this is the big thing, is not to think about how bad you are, but to begin to believe that God actually believes it's possible for you to be like Jesus. Why would God ask that if it's not possible? Amen? Why would He say, I have predestined you, I have foreordained you to become more like Jesus? Romans 8.29. That's, that was why we were created. Now this chair, if He's created... To be a chair, he doesn't have to act like one, doesn't have to work to be a chair, doesn't have to try to achieve to be a chair, doesn't have to dream dreams about being a chair, it must just be a chair. Amen? Now the same, if, if we can see this in Christ, who Christ wants us to be, and he wants us to be humble and meek and gentle and so forth. Amen? Now, we war with peace. And we basically are looking back. We are yearning for that what we had. And the next picture that I have for you. Is a picture of a baby in a womb. Now to me, this is the most beautiful picture to try to explain our lives in grace. Just think of this for a moment. A baby that's in the womb is totally nourished doing nothing. He's not even eating. He's getting all the supply that he has through the umbilical cord and he's fully, completely happy and nourished. That's why that when people are in pain and they're in trauma, they would go and, and lie on a bed on a, in a fetus position because there's something in you that cries out to that peace, that nourishment, that rest that you had in the womb. That's why babies cry when they come out. They want to actually still remain inside. Thank you. That was a scientific fact by Young. And... Uh, this is, this is what we're all longing for. You know what? And the whole world 
from our, when we, we get out, out of your mother's womb and you start to be a baby, you are in performance anxiety. You must speak before this age. You must walk before this age. You must crawl before this. You must do this. And I mean, your first class in school, you, you, you are competing with other kids about your spelling and about your maths and about your, you know, your summer and video moisture taken and kiss and, you know, and you, the rest of your life is, is one great competition of achieving and trying to be this and trying to be that. And we, you know, we, we look at the boys stand in front of the mirrors, with the, you know, with the biggest muscles and we, we competed, you know, we, boys, it's a funny thing, we, 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 my foot is greater than you. They find ways to compete and to challenge and to, you know, and our whole lives is this, is this race of trying to be this and trying to be that. And, you know, we, we get prizes if we're the best and the 10 top children in the class gets all the points. And, and then, you know, you, I sort of very soon realized I'm not going to make it. It's like Charlie Brown. One day he was sitting, drooling and really sulking and Lucy comes and she says to him, Charlie Brown, what's going on? He says, I want to die. I really don't want to live anymore. My hopes and my dreams, everything I ever wanted to be, is gone. She says, what? She says, he says, I always dreamt I would be in the Major League Baseball team. And that my name will one day be on the newspaper ads. And I will be on the baseball cards. And my name will be flashed on the baseball cards. Charlie Brown, my picture, you know, on the baseball card. And, and uh, she says, now what happened? He says, well, I just realized. It dawned on me. I'm not good enough. I will never make it. And it's now like a reality. It's like, oh. And Lucy is always the sober head. So she looks at him and says, ah, Charlie Brown. Next time you walk to the pitch. Just check it, you're done for. (laughs) You know, but sometimes we, you know, parents, you know, you've been in this school and you want your children to be in the same school and you want them to achieve. And we're in this whole achievement race. And really inside, our biggest desire is to be back in the womb. That's really our biggest desire. We, We want to have womb vacations where I will just rest and eat and sleep. It's, it's like a, it's a womb experience. I'm just going to eat, sleep, and just be. And we organize those vacations. We pay a lot of money. We travel a lot of distance. We break the cars. The axle of the caravan breaks. We, the fire won't start. You know, we get there. It's miserable. It rains, you know. And then the final day when you leave is sunshine. And you come back tired. How I many have done that one? And you go... Okay, next year. So you work hard again, achieve, compete, struggle, fight. Okay, one day, one day I'm going to have that fantastic holiday. And then once you even have it, it's not that great. And we, we do all kinds of different things to try to, to cover up this, this desire for rest that we have. You know what? And this is the next thing. Is drugs and addictions is all but a wanting for an escape. The word ecstasy is the Greek word for rapture. It means I want to escape. I want to get out of here. And drugs and cigarettes. I asked some people that smoke. I said, why do you smoke? He says, well, it, it calms me. 
calms me. It works for me. I, you know, I'm very stressed, and, but you know, when I smoke, I'm calm. Is that right, Sarah? You know? And as you know, the work of your honest kin history. You know? Because work ate me. And, uh, you know, and, and drugs and so forth. It's the, it's the greatest trip ever if you speak to drug addicts. You know, all our holy joes go, ah, drug addicts. But drug, true drug addicts will tell you, man, that's heaven, man. Heaven on earth, like a real, man. School, you know, and, you know, you're having visions and all that. The problem they're just not telling you is that while you're escaping life on your trips, your physical life stops. And, and you, you miss out on life. It's like life passes you. And then suddenly you realize 10 years later and you've stayed where you stayed and all your friends have gone past you and they have cars and lives and families and children and you sort of, me and my scaife. Yes, you can. Yeah. It's just waste. Just top it out. Okay, so, but we're all looking for this rest. Now, a baby learns to sit first before it starts to stand and walk. Is that right? A Christian life also begins with sitting. God raised us up together and made us sit together in Him, with Him in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 6. Amen? Who's getting that one? God wants us to sit with Him in heaven. Who wants to reign? Sit. How many of you got this? When you... You, you really pray for something with big faith. You feel actually very good. You feel just like it's now geloof God. Man, hierdie ou gaan nou gesond worden. Dan gebeur dan niks. Then other times you pray and you feel like, yes, I just sort of, I mean, I didn't have any feeling. I could niks gevoel nie. I could, man, I was so dood, just a, just a box there. And I prayed and then you hear day after miracles. Now why didn't I feel that? It's like, you know, or you pray really hard for something and it doesn't happen and then you just like quickly pray for something, you have it. Okay? There's something, guys, in the New Testament that if you want to operate in the New Testament technology that God gives, you need to discover the ways to rest. The way to rule is to rest. Now, our physical bodies, body, soul, and spirit. Now, you need to learn to rest your physical body, to rest your soul, and to rest your spirit. Now, how do you rest your body? Most people go, sleep, sleep, sleep. No, 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 no. Guess what? There's a scientist that discovered that you really only need five to six hours sleep a day. You can actually manage with four hours. You actually need to sleep more through the day than to sleep once for 10 hours. If you sleep in an afternoon for 20 minutes, you add 30% more energy to the rest of your day after a 20-minute uh, power nap in the afternoon. 
Okay. Let me try to give it in a different way. <laughs> okay, I'm not against much sleep. You know, I really, to me, honestly, I think if we, if we, electricity has become our greatest enemy. Because in the old days where there wasn't electricity, when the sun goes down, you would calm down, you won't work anymore, you would rest. You can't work. And you would spend time with your family and light a candle and you would go to bed early. When the sun gets up in the morning, you're up again. Now, these days, with electricity, we sit and watch television till whatever hours. It's absolutely a waste of time. And we get up in the morning and we're still tired. It's a bit of Jan's philosophy there, but uh, I really believe that if you, if you live, you know, this watch, God, that God designed this watch. He designed the sun. And the sun is in cycles and sun is in rhythms. And if you live according to the rhythms of God's grace, you will find that you, you can go on more. Now, <clears throat> Michael told me this. I never knew this. He was in an army in some kind of uh, superior somewhere in the army. And he told me this. He says, Jan, if you do not rest regularly, by the time that you have overworked yourself and you try to rest then, the rest that you then rest doesn't work. So what I'm trying to say your physical body needs constant daily somewhere you need to rest. You need to make rest part of your lifestyle instead of trying to have one year holiday. Can I say that again? You must make rest part of your daily lifestyle. Make time for rest. Make time to sleep in a half an hour in the afternoons. Make time to, to find ways to rest your body. Now, the way with our body is interesting is that the more fit you are, the more uh, you exercise your body, the more you can get out of your body. Again, we don't know how to rest. We think rest is sitting, our brain goes, oh, I'm so tired, I need to rest. And your brain goes, television, remote control, popcorn and a steak. Coke. Lazy boy. Okay. What gaan ons do? Nee, gaan videos and you know what? The best rest you can do for your body is to go and walk for an hour. Is anyone here? We've totally trained our bodies wrong and, we've, and we're tired. How many of you are tired? Come on, guys. Who are tired? The Holy Spirit spoke to me two weeks ago, and that's why I'm preaching this. He says, Young, your church, your people are tired. You know, and, and that's why I'm preaching this, because we need to change something. We can't just go on and go on and just have output, output, and then expect God to speak to us. Work through us. And we're just busy. So you need to exercise. You need to walk at least in 45 minutes or an hour a day. You know, that, that my mother, she can't barely walk. And I told her, Mom, I want you to get up and walk with your cane and your walking stick. But I want you to walk. At least, yes, for 15 minutes, just walk. And she started doing that. She phones me this week. She says, you know what? I have more energy and some of the pains in my body are now gone. Because we think rest is sit, meaning doing nothing. Your body needs to exercise itself. Now, <clears throat> this is something that I've learned from Adu, is that he teaches, he says, if you live a healthy lifestyle, you don't, have to, you don't need supplements to give you energy, to give you memory, to give you 
revelations, peace and joy and all the nice things you have. But live a healthy lifestyle. We live an unhealthy lifestyle and then with quick fix. You know, um, give you wings. What is that? Red Bull or whatever. You try to supplement with all this stuff and drugs and whatever. We try to supplement an ungodly and unhealthy lifestyle. Doesn't work. Live a healthy lifestyle. The kids, all the kids so. The best thing that you can do is to oefen. You have to courage and your body to do. So, make for yourself a ritual to every day to go draf, to every day in your oefen program to be. Amen? Do nothing with your life. See if you can sit. Okay? Tweedens, your seal, who gives you your seal? How do you give your soul food? Your soul is fed by people. Because your, you see, your body is the vehicle with which you engage with the earth. Your soul is your vehicle with which you engage with people, and your spirit is the vehicle with which you engage with the spirit world. Okay? So your seal, we find you that all believe. When you so much and you say, yes, I can listen for a kayer. So let's finish some years with the papella. And then as you some kayer and you have lunch or you feed, whatever, and you just joke and just have some nice, you feel rested. Dit is met sekere mense, nie? Nou, sekere mense met wie jy kyre, wat jy nie, wat jy nie arrested voel. <laughs> you feel drained. You go, oh, Jesus. Okay. I, I, I go to some of the world parties where they do things, and I'm tired of all that. Because as alles groot praat, en wind gaat wees, en een probeer groter praat, as en ander een, ek ben so oppervlakkig, niemand praat actually enige sin nie, in snow, it's one-liners, and it's like, it, if I was in the spirit, and I was looking through my Holy Spirit goggles, it's like I'm seeing a whole lot of worms going, in snow, in flame, in, and I'm falling at them, and it's not any, it's not any cool, okay, so near you from any contact, it's like a lot of, you know, it's just animals, you know, it's, there's nothing happening, there's no purpose, it's just a mess, and they call that fun, um, where, you know, I think, to me, the wonderful about body, guys, isn't it, is that we can laugh, we can have fun, we can, you know, talk to, in late in the hours, and we go home and we feel rested, we feel filled, we feel, you know, it's like we feel, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I finally got an amen on this sermon. Okay, how do you rest your spirit? Yeah, I, I can't know this. Just quickly, how do you rest your soul is your mind. You need to, to if you, your, your soul is part of your, mind is part of your soul. So how do you rest your mind? <laughs> Who knows? No, the way to rest your mind is to give it, um, a, a, what's the word, um, offloading, let it do something different, let it do, give it something new, your mind is a hungry beast who always wants new things, so if you just give it something, learn another language, brilliant, just give your brain an exercise, it will just go, yes, 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 gets going again, do a hobby, okay, 
Another way to rest your soul, rest your soul, is your senses, your five senses. You know, if you experience smells and you experience sounds, good music, um, that nourishes your soul. Another way to nourish the soul, which is funny, is uh, is people who watch sport. The reason why people are so, you know, after sport is because they identify themselves somehow in a very weird way with the, with the athletes. You know, it's like me looking at a gymnast and I go, oh, it's fantastic. And, and somehow looking at that person doing what I will never, ever be able to accomplish. I mean, you know this. It just, it does something to you. So, there's something about mankind. When mankind does something, wow. When mankind, you know, does something incredibly amazing, that it lifts you. It inspires you. Is that right? How many of you were inspired with the Olympics? You just go, wow, man, this is cool. You just get driven by that. Thank you for that. All right, how do you rest your, your spirit? How do you rest your spirit? Who knows? Hmm? Praise and worship, okay. Sure. Meditation, yes. How do you rest your spirit? Huh? Spending time? There you go. All of your answers are right. There's many ways to do it. But the fundamental, most important way is to just focus on God. See Him. Just see Him. If that brings worship, that the word, meditation, all those things will come with that. But the, the key for your spirit is to see. And when you, when you touch God... In that connection. How many, let me say the opposite. Feeling disconnected from God. How does that make you feel? You're not at rest at all. You don't, you know, it's like you, everything goes wrong, nothing works out. Because you're not rested in your insight. So, spiritual, spiritual rest is to be connected with God. It's to focus on Him. Another way to say it is the gift of righteousness. Is that through Jesus Christ we now have free access to the throne of God. And that's what gives us rest. Okay, now. The next uh, point for me about, uh, about rest is do not think too much of yourself. The life of Christ gives you rest. The life of Christ gives you rest. Just take the first one, humility. Humility means that I have the right estimation of myself. I don't think too highly of myself and not too low of myself. I have the right estimation. If I overestimate, it's pride. If I have an underestimation, it's uh, inferiority. Okay? Now, for instance today... The newspapers, um, they've done research in America and they say the fact that there's now so many options of peanut butter has actually caused that the, 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 the sales of peanut butter has gone down. Because people now have to choose crunchy, smooth, this, 
you know, this and that, which brand. I mean, you have a whole shelf, you stand there, you know, and you struggle to make all the, because it's, it's taking too many, it's too many decisions to make. And so what people do when that usually happens is they get stuck in, in behavior, meaning they have one peanut butter and they will buy that peanut butter till heaven comes, hell will burn over, they will only buy that because they, they don't want to make the decisions. They don't want to try something new. It's overwhelming. Now, you know, guys, the news. Can you change anything with knowing what's going on in Israel? You know, can you, can you do anything about, you know, even the mind work is struggle that is now? Hmm? Can you? You can pray about it, sure. Physically can do nothing. Okay? Now, what I'm trying to teach you is we, we allow too much information to get into our heads. We have too much, too many emails. And we, we read all of them. We're on Facebook. And we're interested and pry in other people's lives. That's not your business. Come on. Okay. We, we spend time with so much useless things that we can do nothing about. Yet we spend so much time in it. And you can change nothing. So my rule is this. And I teach this to every church. You know what? Don't be a busybody and try to find out what is going on in anyone's life unless you are willing to do something about it. Amen? I don't want to know what's going on in someone's life until I'm in the position to help that person or to you know, be with that person or help or counsel. Then I want to know information. But beyond that, I really don't want to know what you do. I don't want to know what cars you drive, what new things you've done, whatever you've gone on holiday... It's nice, but I mean, I really forget it very quickly. Amen? I don't, people's problems and things. You know, other churches outside of our country, you know, there's this guy now who's going off and going to false teachings and stuff. I really couldn't care. I don't have no relationship with that person. If I had, then I would have studied it and so I can rebuke him. Amen? Why are we interested in things that just doesn't concern us? That Jesus told uh, David, or not Jesus, God told David, he says, do not concern yourself with things that are too high for you. Just be within your own sphere. Um, how many know that we have been appointed over our children, over our houses, over the home cells, or the people that are around us? That's, you know, that's a whole lot of care right there. And spend your time there. Love there. Care there. Do something there. Instead of just adding all this info and if info, and you become totally burdened by all these things. It's just too much. Amen? So, learn to live in grace. Now, I want to end with the, with the final thing about rest. The biggest struggle about rest. <laughs> the biggest thing about rest is to have rest when there's no rest. To have rest when you're in a crisis. To have rest when everything goes wrong. How many know what I'm talking about? This is really where the challenge is. 
This is why I'm saying this verse in Jeremiah, which I got wrong in the beginning. Jeremiah 50, verse 6 now. Eh? He says, They have forgotten their resting place. Jesus is our shepherd and he leads us into rest. So, how many of you did receive rest in Christ? How many have tasted that? Yes. You know what? Our problem is not getting rest. The problem is losing it. Now, I've, I've counseled a, 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 a marriage couple, a wedding married couple. And uh, the wife is constantly trying. She's upset about her husband. The husband does this, it upsets her. He does this, it upsets her. You know, everything upsets her. I go to her, I say, you know what? The way you're living with your husband is you are trying to, it's like a scent thing. It's like a mosquito. You, the human, and your husband is becoming a mosquito. And you just like, I mean, and, and you're like irritated with everything. And whenever he, you know, it's like, and she looks at me. No, that's not, the, that's not, that's not true. I said, well, that's what you've just done. She says, yeah, but he does this and he does this and he does all this. I say, no, what? You know what? Your problem is this. The solution is this. Is make peace with your husband. Make peace with who he is. You get this. How many, come on, guys, how many guys of you guys have had this in marital problems that you feel like a mosquito? Your partner is treating you as if you, you know, shouldn't belong there, shouldn't be there. <laughs> you know? You even don't need any ice. You I'm going to do marriage counseling after that. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Don't raise your hands. <laughs> okay. You know, the biggest gift, the biggest gift you can give your partner is to be at peace with him or her. The biggest, how many of your parents is that one of your children starts upsetting you? It's like everything around you. And then your child again. And then you start reprimanding them over and over. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't, and you fight. And it's like whenever the two of you together, there's a fight. How many of you experienced that? You've lost your peace. You forgot where your peace are. Just get back in peace. How would you feel? Chantal one day, she always complained that uh, Chantal is a very neat, I'm also a very neat person, but she's, even more. And so, whenever I shave and whatever and wash my hands, I shake the water you know, off my hands and then the mirror is full of spots. And years ago, I had a motorcycle accident. And just after that accident, she had to go home. I was admitted to hospital and was serious. And um, that night, she went to the mirror and she saw the spots. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And the Holy Spirit said to her, Your husband could have been taken today. 
and all that you could have, would have had is the spots on the mirror. You know? How many know this? We, we get upset about the smallest things. We get upset about the carpet spill. We get upset about a stain on a something. We get upset about the stupidest things and we have huge fights about this. We almost commit divorce or murder. And where we could have just been at rest. Is anyone here? Let me tell you something. Rest is already eating from eternity. To have rest is to have your nourishment, your food, already in in heaven. It's like a cake baked in heaven. And when you eat from rest, it's like heaven comes down and it makes home of you here on earth. Amen? That's true rest. So why do we get upset with things that can be corrected in an hour? That can be sorted out in a day? But we get so upset as our little world you know, doesn't work out right. Hey, just keep your peace. Do you know that the things that you aren't at peace with is the things that rule over you? Amen? The thing that you can't make peace with, that is the thing that will rule over you. And that's why it's important to find out what is the things in your life that makes you lose your peace. What are the things that makes you lose your peace? And then, this is important. What is the alternative to peace? Or what is the way to peace? Let me say that And I remember I was driving from the Strand to Stellenbosch. And there were the strawberry farm. Just passing the strawberry farm as you go through the sort of woods and uh, forests. Uh, right there, I remember this, about 13 years ago, the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to me. He says, Jan, you don't trust me because you don't know me. That's it. So, how do you get rest? Rest is God. The more you know Him, the more you have rest. But you know that for many people, the word love is just a word. They've never experienced it. It's just a word. For many people, rest is also just a word. They've never experienced it. It's just a word. They have to go and read to try to find out how does it look. Because they don't know it. And the same you, with God is that you, you can hear all about God, but you don't know Him. So the word know here is the word gnosis, 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 which means experiential knowledge. Meaning, I now know that I know. I've tested it in the lab of my life, and I now know out of experience of my life that this is true about God. I now know him. And that knowing is what gives you rest. Is anyone here? Now the word, the more you spend time in the word, the more you read the word, the more that word will become flesh in your life. He'll speak to you by the Holy Spirit. And by the Holy Spirit, as that word becomes flesh in your life, you get strength to rest. 
Amen. Now, the reason or what God has been saying to us, and you know, we, Chantal and I, at the moment, are in a very difficult situation with Chantal's dad, who's very sick, and um, they were away in Namibia, and we couldn't reach them. We couldn't even speak to them via phones. We could only SMS, and so frustrating, the distance. And, you, and Chantal makes this statement during this time. She says, Fear has become my companion, but I resist him. It's like, how many know what I'm talking about? It's like when you're in that crisis, it's like fear grips you. It's like there's moments when I see Chantal and there's moments where I could see she's now really struggling. This thing is getting her. And then I can see how she, she just fights this back. Uh, and then she comes back and sees she has a peace again. And it's a fight. How many know it's a fight? Okay, now Hebrews uh, 11 verse 6, 4, sorry, Hebrews 4 verse 6 and 11. Hebrews 4 verse 6 and 11 speaks about this. He says, enter the rest diligently. Now I remember when I first read this verse, it says like, why are these two verses, these two words in the same verse? doesn't make sense. Diligence and rest. It's like having hard work and vacancy in Isalafash. It's like, how did that work? You want to be diligent to enter the rest. I don't understand. But this is it, guys. The struggle, the fight that you diligently, daily, hourly have to fight for is to enter and keep your rest. How many know what I'm talking about? It's, a, it's sometimes a struggle. It's really hard sometimes. Okay? And when you lost it, you need to fight to get back. Now, interestingly, the, the word about diligence um, is an interesting word. What is diligence? What's diligence? Okay, diligence is a, is a lady secretary, bookkeeper. That is, she, 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 she is so diligent that when anything changes in a bank account, she knows about every figure, she knows about every wrong, when there's a wrong, she'll tell you there's a wrong. When there's a payment made that's not right, she knows about it. That's diligence, meaning it's on the top of it. Diligence means you, you really, you know, it's like a mechanic and um, once he, he's serviced your car, a diligent mechanic will go through all 99 steps and check every little thing. All the small detail. Make sure nothing is wrong. That's been diligent. Not diligence is, is to forget, take shortcuts, don't do all the steps, you know, don't go through the detail, just do the most important things, hurry to get through it, be sloppy, not to be... Do you get this? So what is diligent? Enter the rest diligently. What does that then mean? It means when you lose it, you're on top of it. When there's a threat to your peace, you're on top of it. When the, when the enemy tries to get it, you, you deal with it immediately. You're not sloppy. You don't leave it for the next day. You don't, you know, wait on it. And, ah, you know, and just Because it's so important, guys, because our victory depends on our rest. Is anyone getting this now? That's why we need to fight for our rest. Now... <clears throat> It's, it's so important that you understand that tonight I'm not saying don't work. 
The biblical rest is not the absence of labor. Biblical rest is to work from rest. Now, how do you do that? Now, the very simple thing is faith is not works. Faith is not works. Now, I hear you guys say, no, 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 but James says, you know, show me your works, I'll show you faith. No, no. The thing about faith works. When faith works, not works, okay, is that when God tells you to do something, He enables you by faith to do that. He energizes you to do it. He he moves you to do it. God says, give 10,000 rand away. You're actually so excited to give that 10,000 rand away, Conway. Because he works that faith in you. I mean, you've done it. He says, go pray for that sermon. You're afraid and you're scared, but he gives you the energy. He gives you the, the anointing to do it. And this is why people, when God speaks to you, do it very quickly. When you, how many of you have seen this? When God spoke to you and you wait three days, it's very difficult to do what God told you the first time. I mean, now I'm talking about the Holy Spirit says, "Do this." You, at that moment when He speaks, there's enough energy, anointing, power, and ability in that command to give you the power to do what He instructed you to do. But if you wait two or three or four or five days in a week and two weeks, it becomes difficult to obey that very command God gave you because you hold it up. So, rest is to work by faith. Because everything we do is by faith. Amen? It's to work by faith. It's to work moved by God. Amen? Now, <clears throat> I, was, I was this morning, I don't know how to say this even to you guys, and um, I'm going to speak in Afrikaans now. Jylle die jylle praat vir ochend my in Dis asof die Heere vir oogend my begin oor die ding, en die Heere sê vir my, Jan, dis net die tip van die ijsberg, ek hoef jou baie iets dieper die weis, maar jy is te haastig, jy is iets in ris, wat ek wil hier moet perkeleer in jou gees, wat die, wat die kracht van jou hele leven is. Hy sê vir my, Hy sê, die kracht tot Jezus' leven, die kracht van sy leven, die geheim van Jezus' leven, is hy was lang al dood, voordat hy doodgemaak is. Hy was al lang al in ris, voordat hy ooit gevoos was om te ris. The key to Christ's life is rest. And I want you tonight to not just listen to my words. Don't think you understand what I'm saying. Don't be presumptuous and skit jylle kop en sê, ach, ek het die preekje al gewerkt. There's a depth here that the Holy Spirit wants to give us, which must come by Holy Spirit revelation. To ek vir oog in die ding sê, ek jyre, ek ken ons nou die goed, maar dis asof die jyre vir my sê, Jan, I want to show you something in rest. I want to show you something in in who I am. It's part of who I am. Right in the beginning of the creation, we hear that God rested the seven day. We call him the God of peace. I think if I can say, except of his love, what is the, the most dominant 
character trait of God is the fact that he's peace. Throughout the ages, God's not in a hurry. He waits civilizations out. The power-hungry Hitler stands up. He just peace them out. He peace. <laughs> and they're gone. And God's still there. And I begin to understand, guys, we're in a hurry. We can't wait. We're impatient. We just, God promised it. We want it now. And we don't see rest. God says to me this. He says, Jan, if you understand rest, it will open up everything in your life. So I'm asking you to know. I feel you're going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for En it's alsof die Heere met ons praat en sê, is iets wat ons moet oorbreek, wat jy met die Heere met het vir jou weis. Nie Jan Oosthuis en so preek nie. It's alsof die Heere vir ons iets wat oorbreek in ons. Die, die deurbrake wat ons soek jylle, het te doen met die geheimenis van ons. Patience is the fruit of rest. Want geloof, sê die Bijbel, is nie haastig nie. True faith. You see? And, and I think about my life. I think about the things that I've tried, the things that I've worked, the things that I've tried to accomplish. have come to nothing. You see, rest is the ultimate, is the ultimate proof of your trust in God. Ek vertrouw jou, jyre, en dan sing het. Ek vertrouw jou, ek vertrouw jou, en dan gaan werk jy. Rest is the faith proof, the faith evidence of the fact that you really trust him. Wie weet nou waarvan ek kan? Daarvan jy wacht en jy doe niks. Because I trust God. You see, when Jesus gave his life to the Father and he says, I give you my life. Jesus had to trust God that God would raise him up the third day. He had to surrender his life. And then do nothing. Die. And now wait for God to fulfill his word to raise him on the third day. And man, I tell you, it's hard to do for us. We want to work it, we want to wheel it, we want to scheme it, we want to do all kinds of things, and we're not at rest. Is anyone here? You know what, and we're not at rest with people, we're not at rest with circumstances, we're not at rest with things that happen, because we've not discovered this thing of rest. Jesus said, I can do nothing unless the, the Father. He discovered the secret in his life was to rest. He says, I do nothing unless the Father. Just living from that grace, living from that peace, living from that rest. Amen.